Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Nejabar, and this is going to be episode 224 of The Informed Catholic, episode 224, and we are now in at the end of the third week of Advent. This is Saturday, December 19th, um, the end of uh, third week of Advent. So, uh, before we go any further, please subscribe and share to my podcast. I really would appreciate it. It would uh, keep uh, encouraging um, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all the podcast platforms to keep distributing this podcast. So, now let's uh, open up with our um, prayer. We're going to do the Act of Penance. And then we're going to move into the readings for this Saturday. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us and forgive us our sins and bring us all to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri Elision. Kiri Elision. Kiri Elision. Christe Elision. Christe Elision. Christe Elision. Kiri Elision. Kiri Elision. Kiri Elision. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And now we'll go into our Advent prayer for Advent. Let's begin. Be comforted, be comforted, my people. Your salvation comes quickly. Why with grief are you consumed? For sorrow has stricken you. I will save you. Fear not, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Redeemer. Drop dew, you heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain the just one. O God, who gladdens us by the annual expectation of our redemption. Grant that we, who now receive with joy your only begotten Son as our Redeemer, may behold him without fear when he comes as our judge. Even the same Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Wow, I can't believe we actually have gone... Uh, through this, it's um, I tried the best I can to keep up with it. I know there were a few days where I had to combine um, two readings into one, but it looks like we uh, we're we're almost making it right through. All right, so this is the entrance antiphon. It's from Hebrews chapter ten, verse thirty-seven. This is for December nineteenth. He who is to come will come and will not delay. And now there will be no fear within our land, for he is our Savior. He who is to come will come and will not delay. And now there will be no fear within our land, for he is our Savior. He who is to come will come and will not delay. And now there will be no fear within our land, for he is our Savior. And the prayer, O God, who through the childbearing of the Holy Virgin graciously revealed the radiance 
of your glory to the world. Grant we, we pray, that we may venerate with integrity of faith the mystery of so wondrous an incarnation. And always celebrate it with due reverence through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so now we're going to go to uh, the first reading, which is from the book of Judges, chapter 13, verse 2, 7, 24 to 25. The birth of Samson is announced by an angel. So you can see the typology, the connection. A reading from the book of Judges. There was a certain man from Zorah of the clan of the Denites, whose name was Manoah. His wife was barren and had borne no children. An angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Though you are barren and have no children, yet you will conceive and bear a son. Now then be careful to take no wine or strong drink, and to eat nothing unclean. As for the son you will conceive and bear, no razor shall touch his head. For this boy is to be consecrated to God from the womb. It is he who will begin the deliverance of Israel from the power of the Philistines. The woman went and told her husband, A man of God came to me. He had an appearance of an angel of God, terrible indeed. I did not ask him where he came from, nor did he tell me his name. But he said to me, You will be with child and bear a son. So take neither wine nor strong drink, and eat nothing unclean, for the boy the boy shall be consecrated to God from the womb until the day of his death. The woman bore a son and named him Samson. The boy grew up, and the Lord blessed him. The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord stirred him. Let me, let me read it one more time. A reading from the book of Judges. There was a man, there was a certain man named Zorah of the clan of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. His wife was barren and had borne no children. And an angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Though you are barren and have, no, have had no children, yet you will conceive and bear a son. Now then be careful to take no wine or strong drink and to eat nothing unclean. As for the son, you will conceive and bear no razor. You will conceive and bear. No razor shall touch his head for this boy is to be consecrated to God from the womb. It is he who will begin the deliverance of Israel from the power of the Philistines. The woman went and told her husband, A man of God came to me. He had the appearance of an angel of God, terrible indeed. I did not ask him where he come, where he come from, nor did he tell me his name. But he said to me, You will be with child, and will bear a son. So take neither wine nor strong drink, and eat nothing unclean. For the boy shall be consecrated to God from the womb until the day of his death. And the woman bore a son and named him Samson. The boy grew up, and the Lord blessed him. The Spirit of the Lord stirred him. Okay, so... Interesting. When you look at this story, you see a similarity 
to John the Baptist. When John the Baptist's uh, father, Zechariah, was giving the evening prayer for uh, um, incense, he was giving incense on the incense altar, the angel Gabriel appeared to him. And the angel Gabriel uh, told him that his wife, uh, Elizabeth, will bear a son. And Elizabeth um, did uh, bear a son. And he told him that he shall not be eat anything unclean. He shall have no wine or strong drink. Uh, basically, this is basically what they call the Nazarite oath, where the individual and you know would take an oath and would follow, stick to the oath, not have their hair cut or shaved. They will stick with it. And, um, you know, it's obvious, it's very similar to a John the Baptist. It's also very similar to the angel coming to the Blessed Mother. And we can see that here. And it's the, the parents here, sorry, the parents here are very, very, very humble. They're very humble. You can see that. Uh, very pious people. There's actually more to it, but we will check that out. Uh, one day we'll, we'll get to uh, read this uh, whole story in the book of Judges itself. It's, it's a little edited. Okay, so now let's go to, um, um, to the response to the Psalm, Psalm 71. And the response is, My mouth shall be filled with your praise, and I will sing your glory. My mouth shall be filled with your praise, and I will sing your glory. My mouth shall be filled with your praise, and I will sing your glory. My mouth shall be filled with your praise, and I will sing your glory. Be my rock of refuge, a stronghold to give me safety. For you are my rock and my fortress. O oh my God, rescue me from the hand of the wicked. My mouth shall be filled with your praise, and I will sing your glory. For you are my hope, O oh Lord, my trust, O oh God, from my youth. On you I depend from birth. From my mother's womb you are my strength. My mouth shall be filled with your, with your, with your praise, and I will sing your glory. My mouth shall be filled with your praise, and I will sing your glory. I will treat the of the I will treat of the mighty works of the Lord, O God. I will tell of your uh, your singular justice, O God. You have taught me from my youth. Sorry, there was a little bit of an interference there from outside. I apologize. All right, so uh, let me start over again. Okay, so it's um. It's one of those things you've got to deal with in Brooklyn, unfortunately. My mouth shall be filled with your praise, and I will sing your glory. Be my rock a refuge, a stronghold to give me safety. For you are my rock and my fortress. O oh my God, rescue me from the hand of the wicked. My mouth shall be filled with your praise, and I will sing your glory. For you are my hope, O oh Lord. My trust, O oh God, from my youth, on you I depend from birth. From my mother's womb, you are my strength. My mouth shall be filled with your praise, and I will sing your glory. I will tread of the mighty works of the Lord. O oh God, I will tell of your singular justice. O oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and till the present I proclaim your wondrous deeds. 
My mouth shall be filled with your praise and I will sing your glory. So this obviously is to express the, the individual, the psalmist is speaking of how God is his refuge. Be my, be my rock and my refuge. You know, you, the, the psalmist obviously, I mean, think about it. These people lived in a time they had nothing. They had no computers, no cell phones, no telephone, no TV, no laptops, um, no podcasts, right? And they they looked to God. They 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 express God obviously with what they see, what they saw around them. They saw the mountain. They saw a rock. They saw. They saw how mighty the waters are. The Psalms are always filled with these analogies, with these expressions. God is like God. God is a rock to me. God is a fortress. God is a mountain. God is, is fire. God is powerful as the winds. These are the things how they express God. And they didn't, you know, you can't, you can you imagine expressing God as uh, like the internet or uh, a laptop computer. You can't picture that. In, 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 in the way they describe it, like here, for you are my hope, O Lord, my trust, O God, from my youth. On you I depend from birth. From my mother's womb you are my strength. These are very intimate, powerful things here. And obviously, it's, it's pointing back to the story of Samson's conception, Samson's birth, that God has been part of his life from his youth, from the moment of his birth, before he even was conceived in his mother's womb. God has already conceived Sam, conceived Samson in, as an idea, as in God's mind. And it goes on here. I will tread of the mighty works of the Lord. O God, I will tell of your singular justice. O God, you have taught me from my youth. Until the present, I proclaim your wondrous deeds. It's a lot of helicopters this evening in Brooklyn for some reason. Okay. Let's go on to the uh, the gospel. Alleluia, alleluia. O, o root of Jesse stems signs, sign of God's love for all his people. Come to save us without delay. O root of Jesse stem, sign of God's love for all his people. Come to save us without delay. Alleluia, alleluia. Okay, now this is from the gospel according to Luke. We're continuing. Uh, we were reading from Matthews. Um, now we're going into Luke uh, here. Uh, the birth of John the Baptist is announced by Gabriel. See the similarity here? Another helicopter. Hold on. Okay. Let's continue. Hopefully there are no more interruptions. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the priestly division of Abijah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in the eyes of God, observing all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blamelessly. 
but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Once when he was serving as a priest in his division's turn before God, according to the practice of the priestly service, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord to burn incense. Then when the whole assembly of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense offering, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Standing at the right of the altar of incense, Zechariah was troubled by what he saw, and fear came upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall, call, you shall name him John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn away, turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers toward, uh, toward children, towards their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to prepare a people fit for the Lord. Then Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel said to him in reply, I am Gabriel, who stands before God. I was sent to speak to you, and to announce to you this good news. But now you will be speechless and unable to talk until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and were amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them and they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He was gesturing to them, but remained mute. Then when his days of ministry were completed, he went home. And after this time, his wife Elizabeth conceived and she uh, went into seclusion for five months, saying, "So has the Lord had done. Uh, see, so has the Lord done for me, at a time when he he was he has seen fit to take away my disgrace before others." The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Now you can see there's almost an exact similarity between. The two, the two stories, um, parents, barren, no children in, in the, the story of Samson, in the story of John the Baptist, his parents, barren and no children. Father was a pious man in Samson. Father was, he had, uh, even his, both his parents were pious. And so was in the case of John the Baptist, both very spiritual, very deep people who believed in God. And both were visited by angels. It's a beautiful. It's a beautiful story. I mean, I always like to think of John the Baptist's parents as very, you know, wonderful, deeply spiritual people, handsome couple, perhaps. I'm sure. And both imagine how happy they were at John's birth. 
Imagine how the people were talking. Unbelievable. A barren old woman past those years was giving birth to a son who will play a big role in salvation history. A fantastic thing when you think about it. You know, and we're all told about, that's as one of the beautiful things about Catholicism, and I'm sure within the Orthodox tradition, and I'm sure so many Protestants believe this, is that we all have guardian angels. We're surrounded by an invisible world we can't see. And, you know, I love the story in the book of Hebrews that we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, a heavenly host, people cheering us on. It's a beautiful thing when you think about it. I mean, you know, this, this, this beauty of being surrounded by a world we can't see, that this material world is not that all there is, that there's more, more, far more. The possibilities are endless. And, you know, you, you know, when you, when you're in the presence of God, you know, that this is not all the stuff, the tacky glitter, the, the, the lights, the music. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, some of the music, I mean, just, it's just, you know, I find, I find some, some of the modern music is very depressing. You know, constantly, you know, the same beats over and over again, almost like to send a person into some kind of uh, a satanic trance, which, you know, unfortunately, my neighbor tends to play that. You hear always these 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 drums, these beats that tend to be very, very disturbing, you know, and there's a lot of movies like that, too. You know, I mean, a lot of the stuff art plays a big role in um in the museums, you often, when you go to the religious section, go to the medieval section, you see so you see so much of these images of angels visiting people. Always the Annunciation of the Virgin Mary, or the Annunciation to Zachariah, or um, angels visiting Abraham. You always have these images of constantly a very of, of a very spiritual, supernatural world. These people were connected; they were very deeply connected to their world. They didn't have the disturbances that we have now, the distractions that we have now. And I think that's one of the things. We're surrounded by a very materialistic world. And it's, in many ways, it can strangle the spiritual world that's in us. You know, the, the beauty of, of faith. And this is something that we desperately need. All right, I'm going to stop here and we're going to do the book of the day Christ was born. All right, folks, so now I'm going to read to you from Jim Bishop's book, The Day Christ Was Born. I'm going to go back just a little bit, as I always do, just so we could, um, you know, pick up, you know, for some people um, of the story. All right, so let's begin. Joseph leaned forward to pull the donkey a little faster. He reached the city of David and found, to his dismay, that there were multitudes of people sleeping beside the road. He had not realized that there were so many who belonged to the house of David. His heart sank as he found that Bethlehem consisted of one main road running north and south and two 
and two cross streets. The inn was to the left, built on a cliff of rocky soil overlooking the valley. Joseph went directly to the inn, knowing that he would find room there or he would find it nowhere. He left Mary and the donkey outside and assured his wife that he would make arrangements. She, too, could see the crowds. Some families were sleeping outside the inn against the wall. She said nothing. Joseph started to go inside, then stopped and returned. Under the law, he said, you must have a midwife at once. Let me first find one. She shook her head, no. The important thing, she said, was privacy. She was not worried about assistance. God had promised to take care of her, and she, didn't, she needed no additional help. Joseph went inside. The floor of the main room was full of people sleeping in their clothing with bundles propped under their heads. The odor of unwashed and spiced foods filled the place. The young man sought the proprietor with supplication on his face. He begged for a small private place for his wife, who was with child. The owner listened and then threw up both hands. Where? he asked. Where would you go for privacy? His own family had no room in which to sleep. Every cupid of space had been rented three days ago, and some of the pilgrims were taking turns sleeping in one space. My wife, said Joseph in a tone, this side of begging, is outside. She will have her firstborn in an hour or two. Can you not please find room? A little room? He pleaded. The owner became irritable. Every house, every field in Bethlehem was filled with people from all over Judea. Some of the regular caravans between Egypt and the upper lands country chose to continue their journey at night rather than remain in this overcrowded place. Where then could a woman have a baby? Nowhere. Some people were even sleeping below in the valley skirted by sheep looking for grass. The owner's wife heard part of the plea. She called her husband aside and asked questions. The night was chill, she said. Look at the men, look at the men outside the inn, sleeping with their cloaks over their noses. Why could not the young man take his wife to the cave below? the cave where the animals are kept. The owner shrugged. If Joseph wanted privacy, he said, the only place left was down the side path to the cave where the donkeys and small animals were kept. The young man was welcome to it. If one wanted to bring a baby into the world in a place like that, Joseph inclined his head. I'm grateful, he said. Thank you. He dragged his feet, returning to Mary. He told her the news. She was not upset or angry. 
In fact, she seemed to be relieved. Take me, she said. The time grows short. There were paths leading from both sides of the inn, down the side of the cliff. In front, as one, as, as on the bow of a, of a big ship. In front, as on a bow of a big ship. There was an entrance to the cave, which had been carved out a long time ago. Joseph paused to light his small lamp, then led the donkey inside. He turned to look at Mary, and in the yellow rays he saw that she was in deep fatigue. The chalk of the road had powdered her face, she removed her veil, shook out her hair, and slid down off the animal. Her bones ached. Joseph apologized. He said that he was sorry that the hospice of Kaman had no room for her, but she could see the crowds of people. He was ashamed that he had failed her in this hour of her need he must confess that she had not been much of a he had he must confess that he had not been much of a husband he hadn't even found a midwife for a moment mary studied her husband she brought a tender smile to her face she told her husband that he had not failed her he had been good and tender and lawful he hung his head and listened mary looked around at the haltered cattle and the few lambs, some donkeys and a camel. If it is the will of God, she said, that his son should be born in a place like this, she could not question the wisdom of it. At the age of 15, she would undergo this trial alone, just as 34 years later, her son would undergo his trial alone. She asked Joseph to build a small fire on the path outside and to fetch some water from the goatskin. Joseph did as she directed. He found an extra lamp hanging on the stable peg. He lit it, he lit it and the stable brightened, and the animals watched in glistening-eyed silence, their breaths making small gray plums in the gloom. Joseph collected clean straw from the feed boxes. He cleaned out a stall and arranged the straw as bed and placed it, placed his cloak over it. Then he looked for wood outside and found none. He went back up to the hospice and, brought, and bought some charcoal from the owner. When the water was hot, he filled the jar and brought it to Mary with some clothes. She was standing, hanging in, hanging onto the wall of the stall with both hands. Her head was down, and he could not see her face. In fear, he asked her to name, to name what he could do. She said to go outside and tend the fire, and heat more water, and to remain there until she called him. The animals watched him go, and they watched impassively as Mary sank to the straw. The fire outside burned brightly, in the southerly breeze, and still, and little trains of ruddy sparks flew off into the dark night, 
Joseph sat beside it, heeding the water and praying. No one came down from the inn to ask how the young woman felt. If she prayed, no one heard except the animals, some who stopped chewing for a moment to watch, others whom opened, opened sleepy eyes to see. The time was slow. There was infinity of silence, a timeless time when the true, when the future of mankind hung in an empty space. Joseph had run out of prayers and promises. His face was sick, his eyes listless. He looked up toward the east. His, uh, his dark eyes mirrored a strange, a strange thing. Three stars coming over the mountain of Moab were fused into one tremendously bright one. His eyes caught the glint of bright blue light, almost like a tiny moon. And he wondered about it, and still vaguely, <laughs> vaguely troubled by it when he heard a tiny, thin wail, a sound so slender that one had to listen again for it to make sure. He wanted to rush inside at once. He got to his feet and moved no further. She would call him. He would wait. Joseph paced up and down, not realizing that men had done this thing for centuries before he was born and would continue it for many centuries after he had gone. Then he heard her voice. Joseph, it was a soft call, but he heard it. At once he picked up the second jar of water and hurried inside. The two lamps still shed a soft glow over the stable even though it seemed years since they had been litted. The first thing he noticed was his wife. Mary was sitting, tailor fashion, with her back against a manger wall. Her face was clean. Her, hand, her hands brushed. I mean, her hair brushed, excuse me. Her hair, her hair was brushed, and there were blue hollows under her eyes. She seemed, she smiled at her husband and nodded, then she stood. Let me go back and read this, just this paragraph. The first thing he noticed was his wife. Mary was sitting, tailor fashioned with her back against the manger wall. Her face was clean. Her hair had been brushed. There were blue hollows under her eyes. She smiled at her husband and nodded. Then, he, then she stood. She beckoned him to come closer. Joseph, mouth agap, followed her to a little manger. He had been, it had been cleaned, but where the animals had snipped the edge of the wood, the bards were sworn and splintered. In the manger, in the manger, with the broad bolts of white swaddling clothes she, uh, she had brought with, with her on the trip, they were doubled underneath the cover of to cover up the top of the baby. Mary smiled at her husband, and she bent far over to look. There among the clothes, he saw the, the, he saw the tiny red face of an infant. This, Joseph said to himself, is the one of whom the angel spoke. He dropped to his knees. 
beside the manger. This was the Messiah. All right, we're going to end it here and we'll pick up the next day. This, this is interesting. So let me get back to you. All righty. So it was very interesting uh, the way he did it there, the way he uh, expressed it. He took a little bit, I think, from, I think, some apocryphal legend, if I'm correct, from the um, apocryphal books about the birth of Christ. Because if you notice St. Luke and uh, St. Matthew, they don't go into the details about the exact, about the delivery. Um, the idea that some believe that time stood still, that there was a, a mysterious moment where everything in the world like just stopped moving because of the, uh, the fact that the incarnation or the son of God or the word was coming into the world and therefore that everything in nature, everything in creation stopped moving. You know, that's, you know, very interesting, but we don't have anything like that. And did she give birth to him in the exact same way um, that every human being uh, came into the world? Uh, you know, the way physically did he... That she had to go through contractions or anything like that. We, we're not giving any any of that either. Some think that there's some theologians, I I, I believe, mystics that believe that he, uh, just as Eve came out from the side of Adam, rib, that the the Christ child, the the Christ, the the incarnate Word, came. In the same way, like I said, it's those are just mystics. It doesn't necessarily mean that their visions are uh, their symbol, the symbolic, uh, whatever a mystic meditating. Sometimes even they need to interpret what exactly the vision means. They're understood. Well, what is what is it? Maybe there is a, a more spiritual meaning to it than actually a uh a physical truth to it um you know which that is can be also very dangerous territory because you don't want to um uh in a sense violate uh or, or approach that in the same way as real uh as true theology orthodox theology it's the the gospels are not meant to give us a detail per detail of event of of each event it's meant to explain it's meant to tell us the historical event of god uh into you know coming into human history and i think if we go into dangerous territories of Um, of trying to um, explain every single detail, it probably could cause problems because the main purpose of it is this, is that 
Christ came into the world, partook truly marvelously in human nature, made human nature sacred and holy. When we were a fallen nature, he took back human nature, which he created as his, where before that it was under the captivity of Satan. Now, at the same time, God was not God was willing not to violate human nature, human will, the will of human, every human person, because that was something that God gave every individual the same way he gave free will to the angelic beings. God doesn't force us to love him. You know, the way governmental leaders, sorry about that, governmental leaders uh, want to force us to do things that violate our conscience. Even if what we believe is wrong, God is not willing to do that. He respects human will, even when the human will and the human conscience is absolutely wrong. It's a beautiful, fantastic thing when you think about it. It really is. All right, so um, let's go into the... Um, the Our Father prayer, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen. And now we'll do the, um, our novena. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, novena to Our Lady of Lords, O ever immaculate virgin, mother of mercy, health of the sick, refuge of sinners, comforter of the, of the afflicted. You know my wants, my troubles, and my sufferings. Cast upon me a look of mercy by appearing in the grotto of Lords you were pleased to make it a privileged sanctuary where you dispense your favors and where many sufferers have obtained the, the cure of their infirmities, both spiritual and corporal. I come, therefore, with the most unbounded confidence to implore your maternal intercession. Obtain, O loving mother, the granting of my requests through the gratitude of through gratitude for favors, I will endeavor to imitate your virtue, that I may one day share your glory. Amen. And now our novena to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. O most blessed Mother, heart of love, heart of mercy, ever listening, caring, consoling, hear our prayers. As your children, we implore your intercessions with Jesus, your Son. Receive with understanding and compassion the petitions we place before you today, especially, and here we make our private intentions, private requests. We are comf comforted in knowing your heart is ever open to those who ask for your prayers. We, tr we trust to your gentle care and intercession, those whom we love and who are sick or lonely or hurting. 
Help all of us, Holy Mother, to bear our burdens in this life until we may share eternal life and peace with God forever and ever. Amen. Our Lady of Lords, pray for us. Our Lady of Lords, pray for us. Our Lady of Lords, pray for us. Saint Bernadette, pray for us. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. O Mary, concede without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. O Mary, concede without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. O Mary, concede without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. All right, folks, don't give up. Keep praying. And uh, I know these are uh, pretty pretty difficult times. Um, but, you know, it's important that we keep praying. And it's important that uh, we don't give up. We don't go to despair. Because this is one of the reasons I think when maybe God has sent something like this is to bring us, to, grow, to draw us closer to him. Difficult times, and you know, they may be difficult, as St. James says. Sometimes there's always discipline, and discipline is always painful, even when we're being disciplined by our own parents for just a little while. But God did this to Israel, maybe ancient Israel, if we remember reading the scriptures. And this is why it's important for us to read the scriptures. And we have to lead it, read them in the light of the Holy Spirit, is that he did it to ancient Israel in order to bring ancient Israel back to him and to make them holy. Ancient Israel always had a habit of turning away from the Lord out of selfish reasons to worship pagan idols. And in return, remember like when I just read to you, like Samson, Samson was a sign of devotion. And even though Samson himself had difficulty being devoted to God, he never really went into pagan, he never went into paganism. His difficulty was the flesh, which is a foreshadowing of this sin that we will, we will all struggle with. We're dealing with a very difficult time, which is abortion, sexual liberation, and wanting to have sexual liberation. But then remember, there was no peace. St. Augustine went through that. He had no peace. He had a very troubled heart and troubled mind where he struggled with these sexual sins that kept him from having a relationship with God and kept him from being a happy human being that he needed to be. A lot of people struggle with that because that in itself is a paganism, is the love of the flesh and love of 
uh, selfishness. And, you know, unfortunately, it's it has led it has led to a lot of souls being troubled and unhappy. All right, I'm going to end it here and uh, I'll be back for Sunday's readings soon. God bless in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.